Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with your host, executive editor of Newsbusters, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome to another day without an abortion decision at the Supreme Court. But we do have some results in the news. We have election returns. As we've seen on a bunch of Tuesdays in recent weeks, it's another mixed bag. The media want to highlight where they see the forces of Trump election denialism on the march. For them, every Republican is defined by where they stand on the big lie, as if that was the only thing a Republican primary voter cares about. I think the results show you that is not the dominant issue because you get a mixed bag. So, in South Carolina, Republican Tom Rice, who voted to impeach President Trump for January 6th, you know, let's impeach the president as he's walking out the door, well, he got dumped. But also... In South Carolina, Nancy Mace, who was more moderately anti-Trump, won her primary. Now, the most disturbing result to the liberal media was the party flip in Texas Congressional District 34. Mexican-born Republican Myra Flores won more than 50% of the vote in a strongly majority Latino district. Stick that in your Latinx. Jorge Bonilla tells us the Spanish language networks didn't really want to talk about these results. Conservatives on Twitter are laughing about, oh, sorry, bad night for you people who believe demography is destiny and the browning of America equals the rise of the democratic left. That's not exactly happening. So now we have... Myra Flores, who might remind a few people of, at least uh, in looks, to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And, of course, the joke in here would be, well, I don't think we'll see Myra Flores on the cover of the magazines. Not on Rolling Stone, not on Vanity Fair, certainly not on The Nation. Uh, Maybe National Review. Uh, But this is one of those things, you know, Ed O'Keefe was acknowledging it on CBS today. It wasn't their number one story. But this really does suggest trouble for the Democrats. So it's not something they really like to focus on. You know, these people all think, if you watch The View, they're trying to deny there's a red wave coming. They think the January 6th hearings are going to seal the deal. This is how... They sound a little inside the bubble, don't they? That somehow they think this utterly stacked January 6th committee that focuses on the happenings of 74 weeks ago is going to be the definitive issue when we're paying $5 a gallon for gas. Oh, how selfish of you to focus on trying to pay your bills. They really want us to say January 6th is more important Stan Van Gundy, basketball pundit. You know, Jack Del Rio got in trouble for calling the January 6th riot a dust-up. Yeah, that's downplaying it a little too much. 
But Stan Van Gundy is never going to get attacked by all these liberal sports writers for saying that January 6th is a bigger problem than inflation. Now you've hit the liberal position. So when you tap dance on the liberal line, well, then you're seen as tremendous. But outside the bubble, it looks awful for Democrats. You can even find that on CNN. Nick Arama at Red State points out on the Anderson Cooper show, they brought on their polling data analyst, Harry Enton. They call him senior data analyst. Well, the all right. I'm old enough now to resent people in their, I'm guessing, early 30s being called a senior anything. You know, Time Senior Editor Charlotte Alter or uh, or senior, senior Data Researcher Harry Enton. It's like you don't get to be a senior something. It's, not, it's like senior citizen. Now, the, the senior citizens probably don't even like that term now. I don't know, but it just seems funny to me. You're not a senior something in your early 30s. That's just me. But anyway, Harry Enton, when he's been talking about the actual poll numbers for weeks now, he's been bringing the bad news. He has not been sugarcoating it. So uh, Harry Enton talking to Anderson Cooper about how inflation is affecting Democrats at the polls. Listen. Put the, this inflation in, in context. How bad is the surge in prices? I, it's awful. I mean, it's awful. And how people feel about it is even worse. You know, you look at the consumer sentiment right now. And what do you see? This is the worst consumer sentiment ever measured by the University of Michigan, going all the way back since 1952. Wow. Uh, it, you basically, even if you double my age, that doesn't get you back to 1952. And while I'm young, I'm not that young, right? Uh, the second worst, 1980. The third worst, 1980. I don't have to remind you. Inflation got Jimmy Carter. It killed that presidency. And in terms of why are consumers feeling this bad? Well, it's pretty clear why they're feeling this bad. And that is because the consumer price index is the worst it's ever been in a midterm cycle since 74. It's the worst it's been in any uh, presidential cycle or midterm cycle since 1980. So it's not much of a surprise. You can see it. It's literally off the charts on the table on your screen. So Enton notes that the second and third worst consumer sentiment numbers... We're in 1980. In 1980, Jimmy Carter. Hey, and Carter, remember, lost in a landslide to Ronald Reagan. Reagan won. Well, it wasn't as bad of a slaughter as 84, but Reagan had 489 electoral votes to 49 for Carter. So it was not as close as it was in 1976. Carter had a squeaker over Gerald Ford. By comparison, Reagan beat Carter badly. But, you know, Cooper kept asking for the bad news. He he went specifically into Biden's poll numbers on inflation. And how does President Biden's performance rate? Awful. I mean, I knew that was the answer. The answer is awful. I mean, you know, I'll compare it to Carter at this point in his presidency, right? Look at the disapproval rating Joe Biden has on inflation right now. It's over 70 percent. Carter. Carter was not even there at this point in mid-1978. When you're doing worse than Jimmy Carter's doing in the minds of Americans on inflation, you know that they're holding you responsible for the conditions that are currently on the ground that are hurting Americans in their pocketbooks. Yeah, you know, it's funny now because a lot of people don't remember Jimmy Carter. You have to be of a certain vintage to remember the Carter years. Um, You do laugh 
when you see Joe Biden try to claim that when gas prices were ridiculously high during his childhood and you say, excuse me, you grew up in the 40s and the 50s. There was no gas inflation dramatic crisis, energy crisis in the 50s. No, you know, we had some inflation in the 70s. You know, I remember... Uh, the, the Gerald Ford had buttons. They were red buttons with the letters W-I-N or WIN on them for whip inflation now. That was Gerald Ford's sort of campaigning slogan as president. Whip inflation now. But we elected Jimmy Carter and boy, did inflation whipped us. That's kind of, that's kind of the way it turned out. And this is why on the 1980 campaign stage Gerald Ford would come out there at Republican events and his big phrase was we handed Jimmy Carter the economy on a silver platter and he blew it you know that was the way it sounded back then but yes inflation and and energy prices we had gas lines people lined up in long lines down the block just to get their gas so, I mean, it, this is, uh, for the older Americans, a bit of a repeat. But it is kind of funny sometimes to think about how younger people are like, this is the first major inflation they've had. So they're like, wow, inflation, it really stinks. Uh, you know, and, and they, people are blaming it on Biden. And, you know, we've had discussions here at Newsbusters at the Media Research Center about how negative Joe Biden's coverage is right now. Joe Biden's certainly running around complaining it isn't positive enough. Democrats always complain that their friendly Democratic voter reporters should be doing more for them. Uh, It's never good enough. Uh, But, you know, we all remember Rich Noyes was doing this in the Trump years, and he would find every month that coverage of Trump and the evening news networks was 88% negative, 90% negative, 92% negative. We don't do that anymore with Biden. Um, but if we did, I'm guessing that Biden right now would probably be getting about 65% negative. Remember the way Rich did it, we cut out all of the partisans, so the Democrat and Republican sound bites don't count. Just the reporter's uh, viewpoint and the viewpoint of you know, supposedly nonpartisan experts and men and women on the street. But here's the interesting thing. You can't really count Biden in a lot of the bad news stories because he's not mentioned. On Sunday's NBC Nightly News, I saw they had an almost five-minute story on how inflation is harming families, three families they singled out, in Lumberton, Texas. So it's an almost a five-minute story No mention of Democrats, no mention of Biden. Now, no mention of Putin either. But inflation was sort of just something that's happened to us. They didn't go into any who caused this thing. And so even if in polls people are blaming Biden for inflation, we need to explain and underline to people They are not getting that from Lester Holt and NBC. They are not getting that from ABC or CBS because those people want to report about inflation in a disembodied way that generally doesn't blame Biden unless perhaps they're saying, oh, this is a problem for Democrats. They might say that. 
But they also think, you know, oh, the poor, the poor, this is just happening to Biden, right? And then it's uh, the American people don't seem to understand. And they start rolling out all the Biden excuses like, well, inflation is also bad in Europe. You know, does that really make it any better for you? Right? I can't afford gas. My rent is going up 40%. Well, it ain't great in France either. I mean, that's not, that's not going to help. But this is the way they are. So Brent Baker saw this story and he was like, he thought it was bizarre that one of the moms in this story said, we've had to cut back. We can't take the kids to Pizza Hut anymore. And we're not buying, you know, the Eggo frozen waffles. And he thought, wow, you know, that does not exactly seem like, you know, going out for steak at the Outback, which is true. But, you know, the... I kind of told him, this is the way we grew up. You know, we got a trip to the A&W stand or a trip to McDonald's. And that was just like to us, that was like, thanks, dad. It was a big treat because we had six kids in the family. We had a lot of mouths to feed, you know. And I said to him, I don't think he ever has bought a box of Eggo waffles. I said, well, you know, at the supermarket, they're what? Ten of them for $3.50. You toast two waffles for your kid. That's a 70-cent breakfast. That's not that bad. But you could probably pour a bowl of cereal for 20 cents. You could probably, you know, spend a quarter on two pieces of toast and some peanut butter. Is it, People have to budget like that right now. And that's, everybody has to do that. And so, yeah, people are probably going to drive less. They're going to spend less on vacation. They're going to eat less food. We even had a story, it was kind of sick, where, you know, Tony DeCopel on CBS was trying to ask the energy secretary, Jennifer Granholm, if there was a silver lining in this for a green economy. She was smart enough to say, oh, no, no silver lining. I'm a politician. I can't say there's a silver lining and you're suffering. Uh, No, we won't do that. So it's not looking great for the Democrats. And some of the things they're doing to try to win in the midterms are just not getting enough attention in our humble opinions. For example, as much as uh, CNN and all these, and Brian Stelter and all these people think that Trump is a blight on our democracy, well then they should be noticing and being outraged at this report from Axios. Democratic groups are buying ads touting some of the most extreme pro-Trump candidates in Republican primaries around the country, meddling in GOP contests to set up more favorable matchups in November. Well, and the lady who reported this at Axios concluded this with the obvious point. Yes, Hillary Clinton's campaign in 2016 tried to elevate Donald Trump in the GOP primaries, believing he would be an easier general election matchup. Oops. You know, so <laughs> they're, they're repeating it. So, But she said, this risky gambit assumes general election voters will reject candidates who embrace conspiracy theories or lies about the 2020 election. But it could dramatically backfire by vaulting fringe Republicans into national office. So there are some examples. Ahead of last week's primaries, the Nancy Pelosi-affiliated House Majority PAC funded a 30-second TV ad promoting self-declared Trump conservative Chris Mathis, 
against more moderate Republican Representative David Valadao in California's 22nd District. I believe David Valadao was another one uh, who voted for, to impeach Trump. I believe. In Illinois, Governor J.B. Pritzker and the Democrat Governors Association are spending millions to hurt black veteran Richard Irvin's chances in the GOP primary and highlight the conservative bona fides of his rival, State Senator Darren Bailey. Get that? Democrats are spending millions to hurt the black guy. Racist. Axios noted this tactic is not new for Democrats. Then-Senator Claire McCaskill wrote a piece for Political called How I Helped Todd Aiken Win So I Could Beat Him Later. This described her 2012 strategy of running ads against Todd Aiken in the primary so you could see the Republican voters all go, oh, Claire hates this guy the most. That mean must be the guy we want. So... Uh, Obviously, Claire McCaskill won that race, but it didn't hurt that the networks devoted 96 minutes in just three and a half summer days when Todd Aiken made an unfortunate comment about how you couldn't get pregnant in a legitimate rape. You know, it was a it was a boo boo. Now, if everybody lost an election over a boo boo, why is Biden president? But this was one of the major gaffes that they pounced on, pounced in 2012. Later on, they did the same thing with Richard Murdoch in, in the Indiana Senate race. Murdoch also lost. You know, this is what they, they often do. When the networks actually notice a House or Senate race, it's usually because they want to embarrass the Republicans and to use the embarrassing Republican like a Todd Aiken and brush that all across the rest of the Republican Party. That's basically what they try to do. Todd Aiken was a congressman from the St. Louis suburbs, perfectly good Republican, good Christian Republican. But, you know, when you get the rape thing wrong, uh, they're going to have fun with that. And, and so, yes, Richard Murdoch in Indiana had some, said something that was slightly less bad, but it's this whole uh, uh, issue of... They get very cocky on abortion when you start talking about abortions in the case of rape, which, of course, is very rare. Uh, it's not if you're off talking about rape and incest exceptions, you're you're arguing on the Democrats turf. That's exactly where they like it. And we will see that here in the midterms. That would be our guess that if you watch midterm coverage, what it's going to be is, well, let's find the Republican we find most embarrassing and watch, they're going to line up just with the same people that the Democrats, these super PACs, are trying to support now or highlight, hoping that the Republicans pick the fringy guy. Yes, the Washington Free Beacon also had some specifics on this. In Pennsylvania, the Democratic gubernatorial nominee Josh Shapiro spent more money on a single ad boosting one of the Republican candidates, Doug Mastriano, than Mastriano's entire television budget. Mastriano, of course, is the election denialist. Mastriano's the one that would ban the reporters from coming to his campaign events. And that's where they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the guy the Democrats want to run against. And then if, the Dem if Josh Shapiro loses, who's going to look like a fool? Well, they don't think that's actually going to happen. Out in Colorado, a Democratic super PAC 
spent $800,000 in a single week to buoy state representative and Senate candidate Ron Hanks, another diehard Donald Trump fan who showed up for Trump's last stand at the Ellipse on January 6th. They really like trying to get uh, January 6th Republicans, Trump rally slash riot participants, get them to win primaries. Then the Washington Post does a story where they're like, did you know there's over 100 Republican primary winners that are election denialists? You know, this is where you know the paper's a Democratic rag, you know? We're not going to, they didn't do a count in 2020 of how many riot denialists the Democrats had won in primaries. You know, and it was worse. They were like, well, anybody who spoke up for election integrity is suspect. <laughs> this is when you know you're, it's a Democratic newspaper. All right, so more of this. Also in Colorado, Democrats have reserved $1.5 million in airtime to boost a local mayor and 2020 election conspiracy theory uh, believer, Greg Lopez, in the Republican gubernatorial primary. So there's just a whole bunch of what you might call mischief or pranks of the Democrats. And we're talking Nancy Pelosi. We're talking about the Democrat Governors Association. These are major players saying, hey, let's, let's back the guy we think is the fringy nut. Surely that'll work out, right? Surely it worked in 2016. Uh, not every Democrat likes this strategy. Uh, Audrey Falberg at the Dispatch reports that Republican Congressman David Valadao of California told her two, two House Democrats apologized to him on the House floor last week after seeing the Pelosi-aligned House Majority PAC's ad propping up his election-denying challenger Chris Mathis ahead of the primary. So this will be an issue we'll have to watch. But as usual, the liberals live in a bubble. So they're going to deny that there's a red wave happening. And look, people should not get too overly optimistic that it's going to be some massive 60-seat gain. I think what really matters, I think, for conservatives and Republicans would just be taking the majority. That should mean something. There's going to be so many things that Biden will not be able to do. To imagine that the news media today has been so upset at how they could blame Senators Manchin and Cinema for blocking all the things that they wanted to do. Can you imagine if these people, if Manchin and Cinema said, oh yeah, let's spend some more billions and trillions. Let's build back better. How would inflation look now? I mean, Biden's out there trying to say that it's a lie that they're overspending. He's, he's saying it's a lie that they were somehow responsible for inflation. He's claiming credit for deficit reduction. <laughs> where are the fact checkers? Well, I think we know where the fact checkers are. They're in Biden's butt pocket. Uh, the column I did, uh, it, it is June, which we all know is Pride Month. So we're going to receive relentless messaging about the importance of pride. I singled out the uh, the People magazine cover with ABC Good Morning America co-host co Robin Roberts. Uh, with the words, Robin Roberts, in her own words, love, faith, and breaking barriers. Now, 
This is how pathetic this, I mean, it's not really an article. It's not really a cover story. Because what they do is they say, we did an interview with Robin Roberts, and we distilled what she told us as a as told to. So it's not really an article. It's Well, it's an article written by Robin Roberts. And really, it's her comments in an interview collated into a syrupy piece. And it was somehow appropriate. Then on the back cover of this People magazine is one of these syrupy ads for uh, Discovery. If you watch any Discovery channel right now, you're just buried in this whole sort of thing. Kids in drag. Isn't it great? Watch our show. We're very woke on the LGBT. It's one of those things where you say, well, I'm glad I didn't get the Discovery Plus streaming. I'm getting quite enough of this as it is. The main point of all of this is, is that when you start talking about pride and, and, and Deborah Roberts was on ABC News, she was highlighted in the People magazine article as Robin's ally. And the, the definitive quote there was Deborah Roberts saying, it's up to everyone to be not just tolerant, but to be supportive as well. So you, you can't just be live and let live. You have to back the gay agenda 100%. That's how you show your support for their full humanity. And so this is another one of those areas where I think we would say, why is it that the liberal media today prances around like they are the guardians of democracy, one on this issue and on other issues like climate, on issues like guns, their basic approach is there is one correct viewpoint, there is one right side of history, there is one way to be humanitarian, there is one way to be for science. And I'll try to explain how you can be, you know, you can deny that a baby that's nine months old is a human, science, or you can say you can be whatever gender you want to be regardless of your genitalia, science. But, you know, the, their entire mentality when it comes to Pride Month is this is, a, this is for 100% support. We have to offer 100% support. And what happens then is Jussie Smollett comes out and says, uh, I got attacked by guys in MAGA hats. And Robert Roberts gives him a big interview, a softball interview, because, well, pride, allyship. I have to be, I have to come to my, my, my gay brother, Jesse Smollett, and ask him supportive questions because, well, that's pride and that's allyship. And it's not journalism. And this is what happens. It's like, you know, your identity trumps objectivity. I mean, it even trumps skepticism. Uh, also, in they had this special uh, on the night, uh, the hour after the two-hour riot committee hearing called pride to be seen and here again is robin roberts doing a softball interview with a baptist preacher who basically says isn't it a shame that all churches aren't gay affirming and there's no debate there's no rebuttal robin roberts thinks this is great and this is the one viewpoint that shall be heard also in that special was a, a big puff piece on Corrine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary. She's black, she's gay, she's an immigrant, 
and she's a Democrat. All, all of our favorite things in one package. And it's, the interviewer was gay ABC reporter Gio Benitez. And they both talked about coming out of the closet and their moms and stuff. And, you know, there is no other sign. Jean-Pierre also drew an at-a-girl interview from Robin Roberts a few weeks ago on Good Morning America. And it doesn't matter whether Corinne Jean-Pierre is actually good at her job or not. It doesn't matter. She's a pioneer. It's just amazing to me that we have this, that people who claim to be the titans of journalism, who, uh, who hold people accountable, no. You don't hold people accountable who you think are the heroes or the role models or the titans or the influencers, the people you like. You don't hold them accountable. And so if Fox News would seek to hold them accountable, when Peter Ducey sets, uh, arrives at the White House briefing room, to throw tough questions at Corinne Jean-Pierre. Well, somehow, Peter Ducey is, he represents anti-democracy. Isn't that cute? That's really what they're trying to set us up to believe, that somehow, when you challenge the Democrats, you're anti-democracy. We have to push back on this idea every day in every way, and that is, we are the ones that ensure democracy because we are the ones that are going to come and bring the hashtag resistance to this unanimous liberal media and how they want to make all our debates go away. It's going to be harder to make your debates go away if the Republicans take over Congress. They want to deny that that's going to happen. They're going to try to do what they can to, you know, they think the January 6th committee, that's the key. So they're going to keep running these things live. They're going to obsess over them on CNN and MSNBC as if Donald Trump is somehow still president. It is just the way that they do things. If you want to see us go at this and take it apart, we tape it, we transcribe it, we report it, we let you know. That's why you come to Newsbusters once, twice, 24 times a day. Thanks for listening. <laughs>